It's going to be a short one. Uh, May has already started out to be a bit of a bust. I have to go to Canada next week. So there will be no Ninja News Japan next week, maybe even for the next two weeks, because I'm going to get back on Monday night. I record on Tuesdays, just so everyone knows what's going on. Uh, that's life. Life is tough sometimes. 10 million yen. 10 million yen was founded a recycling center in Sapporo. So recycling center, I'm assuming it's just like general garbage, uh, things that can be recycled. So glass and stuff. I, I am wondering what it was in. It sounds like it was just wrapped up in something else. There's a three month deadline for claiming the lost money. So the police were actually looking for an owner. Uh, May 1st, so beginning of this month, the money became the city of Sapporo's money. Over the course of the three months, 16 people tried to claim the money. Now, this is the bit I was interested in. So I would love an extra 10 million yen. Like, just pass that over here, 10 million yen. It's not going to totally change my life, but it would make it better for at least a little while. I'd have a lot, you know, I'd pay off all the bills. Great. Uh, so I understand the instinct to try to claim the money. What we got were a couple of like reasons why people would claim the money. Uh, because it would be interesting to me, like what kind of things the police would ask questions and stuff to confirm that this is your money. So 16 people called up the, the Sapporo police and said, yeah, that's my 10 million yen. One, the first one I really enjoyed was I went shopping as I walked in a parking lot, I dropped the 10 million yen that was wrapped in newspaper. Why? My question as a police officer is why are you walking around with 10 million yen wrapped in newspaper? Now, this is not as weird as it may sound at first. When I bought a house, technically bought a house, I haven't paid off the house yet because I have a mortgage. So when I attempted to start buying a house, which ends up being a multi-year process because of the mortgage, if we paid a massive down payment in cash, we got, I mean, paying more at the beginning is better because it means your mortgage is lower overall. Then also, uh, we got like a discount essentially by giving them a massive amount of counts. So we went to the bank and they wanted cash, which as a Western person feels very shady. But in Japan, it's very normal. They don't do checks and things like that. Uh, so we went to the bank. I, if I remember correctly, we took a 19 million yen. My wife and I pooled our money. Had a stack of money as big as my head. So I don't know. Uh, it was, it was, how do you measure a head? So height is bottom to top. So I guess it's width from the back of my head to the front of my head. So I actually have a picture somewhere of me laying on the ground with 19 million yen stacked next to my head. And it's the same, I assume, width is my head. Uh, this is the closest I'm going to get to a rap video where I'm like showing off how much money I have on my bands, as it were. But like I knew I would never have that much money in my hand again, or at least I assumed. I mean, I guess I'm not dead yet, but the likelihood of me having more than 19 million yen in my possession at one time is very unlikely. We took it to the construction company, the place that had built the house. They had that machine that machine that counts the money. When I, well, the point was I did actually carry that 19 million in with me. I put it in a bag 
and a brown paper bag and then put it in like a backpack and then held the backpack like I hugged it like a, a fragile child. Because if I dropped this money somehow, I was not going to financially recover for years and years and years and years. And we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be living in the house I live in now. So the explanation, I was walking in a parking lot and I dropped 10, 10 million yen wrapped in newspaper. Wrapped in newspaper sounds suspicious, but I put mine in a paper bag. I didn't want to put it in, in something else that would make it more suspicious. So I actually wrapped it up in something non-suspicious and put it in my backpack. But then again, I was, I was hugging this like it could be taken from me at any moment. The second explanation was I put 10 million yen in my closet and now I can't find it. I might have thrown it out, which is the same sort of thing. It's like I've got 10 million yen. I put it in the closet. I cleaned out my closet, maybe forgot that the 10 million yen was there and it ended up at the recycling center. That one is slightly more reasonable. Again, because Japan has still got a, a strange relationship with money. There's still a lot of people who believe in cash. They don't actually want to put money in the bank. Uh, banks, I think most banks now don't really offer anything significant in the way of interest anyways. The cash sitting in your closet is kind of more liquid. It's more available. And so a lot of people think about it that way. A lot of old people in Japan keep cash in their house. 2017, I think was the biggest amount of money found. 42.5 million yen was found in the garbage in Gunma. Uh, their suspicion is that a man died, his house was demolished, and as they like took all the stuff out of his house, either before or after, it just ended up in the garbage. So this this older man had just kept that money in his house. So this is what I'm saying. Like There is a different relationship to money than we would have in the West. The explanation for this is that there are older people who hide their cash. So I let's say I'm older, I have my 42 million yen. I open up an, a speaker for my stereo and I stick it in the speaker or I hide it somewhere. I'm not going to tell where anyone where it is because that's the whole point of hiding it. But then I die. It's not like you usually prepare for your death in this way. So you don't tell anyone where your money is so they don't know. So they start throwing out your old stuff. They're not going to think like, oh, I should open up these speakers and uh, check for money. Yeah, the, it puts you in a weird position. Like let's say I have my father-in-law or my parents-in-law, they die. Should I start like breaking down all their stuff to see if they've hidden any money in the house? Like it seems weirdly mercenary at this, but at the same time, of course, I don't want to throw out 42 million yen that could benefit my family or someone else in the family who maybe deserves it. It suddenly felt like crypto to me. Like they've just stored it somewhere else where no one else can get it. Cause like I have a tiny amount of cryptocurrency. I was big into cryptocurrency and then it really started to turn out like it wasn't going to get used the way they were promising it. Uh, it became like a, a, an investment thing and not like something you use. Where for me, the idea of internet money, something you use was really appealing. So I have like basically leftover money in crypto and then the price all tanked. So it wasn't really worth, you know, going back to at the moment. If it's if it seems like it's going to take off again, maybe I'll look at it again. But I really want it to be something you can use not something that just sits there and it becomes like an investment opportunity that may or may not hold value over time. But that means I have like a USB stick with, let's say, a 500 bucks of crypto on it. If I die, that's gone. If that had been like so where I was storing my money, if I was taking my savings and putting on crypto and I die, you're not going to break the, the, the security to get in there. It's got like whatever, 15, 20 word passcodes that you have to find and, and know the right order and stuff. Yeah, so... 
this is similar. It's it's the the old version and the new version is almost the same thing. Anyways, no one convinced the police it was their 10 million yen. The police have reverted the money to the city. And so that's it. We did a story a little while ago that uh, if you someone turns in the money, you have to give them an award, like a reward, a thank you. It was between, I think it was 5 and 20% of the value, which means the person who found this, if someone had claimed it, they would have got as a minimum 5% of the money they were supposed to, uh, they found, 10 million yen. But because it goes back to the city, maybe they don't get anything. I wonder if there's a reward for the, 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 the city worker who found the 10 million yen. I sit there and I go like, man, because I'm not rich enough to, to throw away 10 million yen. If I found 10 million yen when I turn it in, I assume if I found that much money, it was from someone nefarious. It was like a Yakuza lost it or something. So then I wouldn't feel bad, but then I don't know it's a Yakuza. So it might be the situation where it was like 40 million yen, uh, a family member died and that family could really use it. I would feel bad about that. I don't want to steal from a family. I wouldn't have a problem stealing from Yakuza. But I think my assumption is if I find money somehow on the street of that volume, that it was someone doing something in the first place. So maybe I got to readjust my attitude and be a more honest and better person. Uh, probably won't happen today though. There's nothing dishonest about keeping money you find. Uh, I mean, that's technically a possibility. Uh, the problem I'm, what I actually mean is when it's 40 million yen, and I find it. And I would benefit from 40 million yen, but uh, there could be a family that is more, that has that money. All right, okay, wait, I have to restart my sentence. There is a family out there who, let's say like the father died and that the kids, the kids need more, that money more than I do. That's all. I'm saying there's a relative morality there that's a bit of an issue for me. I have a family too, but I am able to provide for my family. So what I'm saying, like there might be a family out there that cannot provide for the family as well. And 50 million yen would benefit them more. Like it would, it would make their life better. Whereas my family, it would be like icing on the cake. So I'm just saying like, I don't want to take food out of someone's mouth to put icing on my cake. Uh, the guy who threw the pipe bomb at the prime minister, he just got a new warrant served. So he threw the, the pipe bomb, got arrested right away. Uh, and then they release you. This, is, this was not really what's happening is not that interesting. So he's got, basically the police went to his house, they searched his house, they found gunpowder. And then just this week reissued a new warrant for his arrest over the gunpowder. And this is something, it's not, again, it's not a surprise that he had gunpowder in his house if he was making pipe bombs to throw at the prime minister. Uh, it's a surprise that they didn't do it all at once. Now, what the police in Japan do is they stagger their warrants. Now, this could be seen as a form of harassment, which I think in some cases it is. I don't know about this one. Uh, when you get into pipe bomb territory, I don't feel too bad if the police harass you. But there's a system in Japan where they can arrest you. Without charging you, they can hold you for basically a month. I think it's 24 days. Then they have to let you go. But what they do is let's say they have three or four charges. They will hold you for 20 days, release you. As you walk out the building, they will rearrest you on the second warrant and bring you back in, hold you for 20 days. 
this was a system designed to disrupt uh, a drug dealer's business. So let's say I'm a drug dealer. If I'm off the street for two to three months, like one for each, one month for basically each, it will disrupt my ability to sell drugs because all my customers are going to go find another drug dealer. Uh, if I have a day job, I'm going to lose my day job. So it's very disruptive to my life. The Japanese police do this on purpose to extend the length of time they can basically hold you. It also helps them, it gives them time to build a case and whatever without actually arresting you. Because once they arrest you, they have to put the evidence forward and they have to go to trial. This is another reason why the Japanese conviction rate is so high is because they're essentially giving them so, giving themselves so much time to build the case they want to build. I don't think the fact that we have this guy on video throwing a pipe bomb at the prime minister, it's a pretty open and shut case. I was just surprised that they dropped another warrant now, but I'm betting it so they can look more into his background and stuff because this guy has still not made a statement. A lot of the uh, crime stories we do on Ninja News Japan, the, the thing you hear about is the statement. And the statement's always like immediate and to me relatively amusing because it's like, yeah, I did it and I'm proud of it. Or, and then they go to jail or it's like, I don't remember because I was drunk, which is a very common defense in Japan, which actually doesn't work. Because I don't think you not remembering it gets you off the hook. I think, I guess the idea is that if I say I don't remember it, there's no point in them asking me any further questions. So I'm not helping their case at all. So I'm assuming that's what they actually mean is I don't remember. I don't remember so that you can stop asking me questions because you keep asking me questions. I'm just going to keep saying, I don't remember. Uh, so I'm not helping you build a case against me, which is again, the criminal's job. If you've committed crimes, your job is to not help the police arrest you. Keep that in mind. Uh, but this guy, I just thought it was interesting that they, they're, they're going to drop a warrant. Now a month from now, we might hear a new warrant drop for another thing. Another thing, another thing, because they've gone through in his, through his house. So they now have all the things in his house that they were, that he was had illegally. So the gunpowder would have been illegal. The pipe bombs he made would have been illegal. That's two charges, two warrants right there. Uh, but it also means they can get more invasive into his house. In this case, again, I'm pretty, I actually think it's pretty justified. Uh, he threw a pipe bomb. He could have killed not only the prime minister as target, but like everyone around 20, 30 innocent people. Yeah, I'm okay with this. It's a weird question though, justice. Very much like my feeling about taking money that I found on the street. Uh, justice should be applied equally, but then at the same time, it's like, we know this guy's guilty. So you have to worry about whether we harass him or not, or keep him in jail. Cause they should be keeping him in jail. What I just realized though, is means what my morality is fluid, which is bad. Like when you're talking about laws and stuff, it should be like, yes or no. It shouldn't be like, well, in this case, yes. In that case, no. Uh, maybe that's, Ignatz's idea about um, me keeping the money I find on the street. Finders, keepers rules. But again, like my feeling is in some cases it would be perfectly justifiable taking money from the Yakuza. I wouldn't feel bad about that. But if the family's poor and I take money from them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that, you know, inadvertently. Is the... Anyways, next story. Uh, upskirt photos. We've talked about this a billion times in Japan. It's surprisingly how often cops get arrested for taking upskirt photos. Uh, photo voyeurism is going to be made illegal. It's going to be banned. My first thought is what, how is upskirt photos not already illegal? 
So when you take an upskirt photo, so I'm on the escalator, it always happens on escalator. The lady in front of me is wearing a short skirt. I take my cell phone out. I take a picture of her skirt and I get arrested. I wasn't getting arrested for taking the photo. I was getting arrested for harassing the person, which I didn't realize. Like I'd actually talked about the story a million times and yes, you're getting arrested for harassment, but the actual taking of the photo wasn't the crime which I've only realized now. It's shocking that in Japan in 2023, taking an unsolicited photo of someone's essentially genitalia without their permission was not illegal, but that was the case. This is going into a bill that's expanding all the sexual crimes. I have talked on a previous episode about how the definition of rape is being expanded. In Japan, up until very recently, it was only really rape if you could prove you tried to defend yourself, if you, you could prove that you fought back. Now, we know that's not always the case. We know it's not always possible. But it also meant that if I Bill cosby a lady, that was perfectly legal because she didn't fight back against it. And that's why so many of these cases are so frustrating for women from a woman's point of view. So... The definition of rape is being expanded. So all the things I just mentioned are now going to be illegal. Upskirt photos and other similar things are not going to be just part of harassment to build a case. It's going to be illegal in itself. So it would be harassment is charge one. Upskirt photo is charge two. Uh, If they do something else gross, that's probably another charge. Grooming minors will now be illegal, which was not illegal before. Um, I think the problem with grooming minors was the definition of grooming minors and the the definition of minor in Japan was actually pretty vague uh, because you get all the creepy dudes to point out that like the age of consent in Japan is 13. It's not. It used to be. It's not anymore. So just be aware of that creepy dudes who listen in New Japan, which is probably a lot of you. The If I take an upskirt photo of a woman, which is now going to be referred to as photo voyeurism, I can get up to three years in prison and a 3 million yen fine. In 2021, there were 5,000 arrests for upskirt photos. But again, this was harassment. Or maybe those guys just got off because it wasn't technically illegal. That is three times more than 2010. And I think the rise in that crime comes down to the availability and sort of technological level of cell phones and cell phone cameras. I don't think my obsession with uh, older men who commit crimes is going to go away because as I come into my golden years, I'm 50, I'm going to be 51 very soon. Uh, So my, my, is my brain going through a transition is kind of the underlying question of every time I do a, a crime story involving a 50 plus year old man, is it going to happen to me? There's a concern and a piece of entertainment value because I am a relatively moral person. I'm not going to say good, because again, what the, th- the underlying theme of this whole episode has been that my morals are fluid. So in one instance, I would say something is dead wrong. You should never do it. But then change the circumstances. I'd be like, eh, maybe it's okay. I think that's true for everybody. But I think most people are not as honest about it. And I, I struggle with what is right and wrong. But that is all governed by the chemicals in your brain. And the chemicals in your brain change over time. So am I, over the next three or four years, going to change in such a way that I end up in a situation? The, the one that got me the most was the 50-year-old man who saw a high school girl in a shopping mall, 
got down on his knees and just started licking her shoes. Um, part of his brain, the chemicals in his brain was telling him that this was a good idea. Another part of his brain was like, she might even like it and be like into it. So that was always the, like, is that where my brain is going at some point is a question I have. Anyways, this 53 year old man goes into a store and he shoplifts a skirt, walks out and they, they don't catch him. But the security guy or the guy in charge of the security cameras, he's checking that he actually stole the skirt. And so he knows the guy's face. He knows the skirt that the guy stole. Uh, he knows sort of the general situation. This is like, at this point, we're not going to go chase him. He's gone. So whatever. The problem is the man returned later that afternoon and he was wearing the skirt that he stole. And again, part of me goes like, did he think he was getting away with it? Did he think he was going to go back and steal more clothes? Did he think no one was going to notice? Has his brain taken him to a place where he's so disconnected, he thinks, ah, I'm going to get away with this. Or does he actually want to be arrested? Is there another part of his brain that's going like, this is going to get you arrested. Let's go do that. Maybe that's what he wants. Uh, it could be one of these like situations where the guy's been in prison in the past and he's actually now at this point in his life more comfortable in prison. He might be a homeless person who struggles to survive and actually prison is going to be more comfortable in the life he's living now. Uh, all those are terrible things. So I don't want to make jokes about them. But if he was dead serious, uh, I'm going to steal this skirt. I'm going to put on this skirt. They're going to think I'm a different person because I'm wearing different clothes. I'm going to go back to the same store, maybe steal some more stuff or just do some casual shopping. I would love to know what was going on through that guy's head. So we have one more story, a little quick story. Uh, it's what otaku think is going to happen when they have kids. Or So first of all, they have to assume they're having kids. Otaku in Japan, it's pretty relatively famous that they're not. They're, they're essentially incels. But if you have kids, are you going to maintain your current time and money put into your hobby is the question that was asked. Uh, so 82% of otaku said if they have kids, they would spend less time on their hobbies. That is pretty reasonable. You have other people in your life. You have to spend more time on them. You have to give up some time. You give up time on your hobbies. Same. So I'm going to spend the exact same amount of time on my hobbies, 16%. And I'm going to spend even more time on my hobbies 2%. I think those people are deluded and kidding themselves. By adding more people into the mix, you just get less time. That is, the, the people are always astounded by the fact that I can produce this podcast and see McBee and other things. Uh, and they're like, where do you find the time? And I'm like, I carve out a schedule when people are not in the house. Otherwise, I just can't do it. I'm also weirdly self-conscious about doing a podcast while other people are in the house. They just hear me talking. They're like, let me be downstairs. So they don't really hear anything. There's no effect, but I'm always like, I have a different feeling when someone else is around. Will you spend less, same, or more money once you have kids? 84% uh, said they would spend less money. Again, very reasonable assumption. You have to take your, some of your money and spend it on these humans you have produced. Uh, I'm going to spend the same amount of money. Actually, not unreasonable. Uh, 14%. Like I put aside this much money for my hobby. I'm going to keep that much. And then the other money I make is going to go to the family and stuff. Yeah, I can actually see if you actually planned it out in advance, that would work out. 2%, I think the same 2% as uh, the, the first category. I'm going to spend more money on my hobbies. So they're almost defiant that yes, I'm going to have children. I'm going to spend more money on my hobby. Now this was the bit that I thought maybe where it would work in. 
19% said they would enjoy their hobby with their kids. So I think maybe that 2% from the previous two surveys is saying that I'm going to spend more time on my hobby because I'm going to induct my children. I, there was a better word. I'm going to bring my children up in my hobby. Therefore, I'm going to spend time with them, spend money with them on the hobby so we can enjoy it together. And I thought, ah, that might be the route to take. So that's like, I've met lots of families. So I practice judo. I've met literal judo families where like every parent, child, grandparents and stuff, they all do judo. So they raise the kids in that environment. I don't think they force them to do it, but there's like, this is what we do. You can join and they get into it because it's a family thing. They're saying like, I'm going to grow up with anime. Anime is going to be on TV. I'm going to buy DVDs and stuff or Blu-rays. Uh, the kids are going to see them. I'll buy more. Maybe it will expand what I like or expand to what the kids like. I'll buy stuff for them. So I'll actually end up spending more money on the hobby. I make uh, Gundam models. I'm going to do that with my kids. The kids are going to grow up making models. We're going to spend more time and more money on the models. I'm not going to enjoy my hobby with my kids. 18%. I actually understand this thinking. I did not force my children to do judo. It's my thing. I know judo is a very sort of unique personality type that enjoys it. A lot of people will not enjoy getting beat up or beating people up. I had no problem not sharing my hobby with my kids. If they were interested, I would have brought them in, but I was never going to force them. I think that might be where these guys, their mindset is, which is good. Forcing your kids into your hobby is not a good thing to do. Either is fine, 63%, which is again, very all three of those, I can kind of mentally justify the thinking they're going through. And I think they're all have good points and bad points. But yes, if you are a nerd, and if you listen to Disney Japan, you probably are. Uh, it is worth thinking about. How can I indoctrinate my children into my hobby? Should I do that? Do I want to do that? Do I want to share my hobby? I think it's a really nice thing to do, but I think it's a really nice thing to do if they're interested in it. I don't think it's a really nice thing to do. Uh, if you have to force.